Welcome to episode 62 of the series about security podcast for October 30th, 2013, brought to you by the Center for Education and Research and Information Assurance and Security, or Sirius, at Purdue University. I'm Preston Wiley, and I'm joined again by Keith Watson and Mike Hill. And uh, Mike will start off this week. Okay, thank you, Preston. Um, so we've been talking about NSA spying for a while now. I think we've had some episodes on it. Um, recently, the Electronic Frontier Foundation published an article uh, providing 10 tips on how you can um, protect yourself against internet surveillance. So we'll just go through each of these and uh, see what we think of them. Uh, the very first tip is uh, use end-to-end encryption. Um, while some encryptions kind of come under question, um, it's still a very good technique, and I think it's just recommended sticking with the open source ones that are under uh, that are always checked. And step two: encrypt as much communications as you can. Uh, use HTTPS everywhere that you can. Um, use VPNs when available. Tip number three: encrypt your hard drive. Um, I think there's a very variety of tools available to do that. Um, tip four. Strong passwords, we've talked about that a lot. And using a password safe, a password manager, using random uh, passwords. Step five, use Tor. <laughs> As one of the NSA slides was titled, Tor Stinks. So apparently the NSA does not want you to use Tor, so it would be a good idea to use Tor. <laughs> uh, tip number six, turn on two-factor authentication uh, if it is available. Uh, tip number seven, I think this one's been around for a long time. Don't don't click on attachments, just a good tip in general. <laughs> tip number eight, uh, keep software updated and use antivirus software. Um, I know there's differing opinions in the security world about antivirus software, but uh, they recommend using it. <laughs> uh, tip number nine, keep extra secret information extra secure. Um, and it mentions using TrueCrypt uh, for encryption, so I'm not sure why it's a separate tip. I guess it's saying, you know, keep your extra secret stuff even more extra secret within. Well, you putting it on external storage, maybe. In external storage. Yeah, like a computer. Keep it totally offline, USB flash drive, stuff like that. Techniques like that. Um, and tip number 10 is to become an ally. So, uh, I guess support these folks that are out there trying to keep your information secret and, and private. Um, I think one of the things was, you know, becoming a Tor node. Um, I believe that up to everyone's discretion. I would not recommend doing that in your business setting. <laughs> but, uh, no, unless well, you have management approval. Uh, management approval, yeah. Like um, but yeah, it's basically, you know, help fight the fight. So. Um, these are the 10 tips they came out with. Uh, you guys, can you think of others that we could recommend to our listeners? Well, I think one of the more interesting things they said before the 10 tips was, while the NSA is doing mass surveillance on everybody, the goal of these tips is to make it more expensive, essentially, to spy on you. So that's, that's, that's pretty much the goal is making things harder and more expensive because you can say, well, the NSA can crack pretty much anything, 
but it takes time, it takes effort, and the more essentially hoops you jump through to secure yourself, the more they have to jump through to kind of decode your decode your streams. You know, you increase what we call the work factor on their side. So it takes a lot more effort on their side to crack or uh, decrypt whatever you're using. Um, and they may have to resort to different alternative methods. If your computer is something and your digital communications are something they're not easily uh, able to get a hold of, then they might have to go to your house and plant bugs in your house. They really, really, really want to find out what you're right. doing, which just increases the cost of, of the attack from their perspective. Well, I think there's additional hoops they have to jump through, right? They have to get a yes. subpoena in that case. Well, then it's probably FBI since it's within the U.S. Yeah. So. Lots of stuff like that. So now, you just increase the amount of effort required to find out what you're doing. Do, do you see any um, potential downside to doing this, increasing that workload? Do you think that helps shine a light on you a little bit? Do you think there's, there's any always that concern? I mean, uh, some of the discussion in the Tor article from NSA and GCHQ talked about, uh, you know, if you're using Tor, then you might be subject to a little more scrutiny because they're going to be interested in why you're using Tor. Um, so, you know, that might be an example where actually using a security tool might bring some spotlight on you, if you will. Um, but given the difficulties that they have in trying to crack parts of Tor, uh, if you're if it's implemented correctly and you're using it correctly and you've got update, up-to-date software and you're making sure you continue to have updated software, then, then you probably be okay in that respect. But well, isn't that some of the philosophy behind the Electronic Frontier Foundation publishing these tips as well? I mean, the more people that follow these tips, the harder, the harder it becomes overall. You yep. become hidden in the stream of yes, so everyone else doing it. And that's a big part of how Tor works. Uh, the more people that use it, the more data that flows through Tor, the more anonymous it is. So ideally, we would have more users on that, a service like that. So some of the other tips they talked about, um, especially number one, using end-to-end -end encryption, that's uh, ideal, and there's a lot of tools out there that can help you do some of that. If you're into using uh, chat programs, uh, there's a, a encryption system called OTR, or off-the-record messaging, and it's not the same as going to Google Talk and Hangouts and, and checking the box that says this this chat session is off the record. That just means it's not saving a history. So you can only go back so far in your chat history before it disappears. Google can still see everything you're typing. I mean, it's a probably a storm. Well, yes. So, so that's easily recorded. Um, the communications between you and Google, that part's over HTTPS, but uh, the information in the chat is still accessible to Google and subject to uh, subpoena. If you want to avoid that, OTR messaging is basically an encryption tool that allows you to chat uh, through an encrypted channel over these public services. So you're still using Google Talk, it's just the information you're exchanging looks like gobbledygook good to Google. Um, and there are lots of clients to do that on the Mac. Uh, there's a good tool called Adium, which pretty much plugs into every instant messaging tool out there. There's a variety on Android. And there's probably some systems uh, that I just don't know the names of them for others, other operating systems as well. So those are pretty good. The other one mentioned PGP, which is, is uh, 
uh, you know, kind of tricky to use, but is a good way to get into in encryption using email services. Um, one thing they did mention in the second one, which was encrypt as much communications as you can. Um, a tool they mentioned is HTTPS Everywhere, which is a browser plugin. And what that does is anytime you go to a website that has a known HTTPS service, it will redirect your browser to use that instead of the non-HTTPS service that's typically provided. And that works reasonably well. I've got that installed on all my browsers, and I've had good luck with that. They also talk about using a VPN. If you work in a corporate or education environment where they provide VPN services, you really ought to use that, especially if you're communicating from a public network, an open network, wireless network, those sorts of things, um, just to say, just to protect your communications that way. So those are good. There's also third-party VPN services out there as well. And we did talk about They're that too. They're very inexpensive. Yep. How about encryption of hard drives and devices. Is, is that that's, becoming an easier thing to do? That's much time? easier these days. I yeah, I've, I've got this encrypted. Yeah, I've got my tablet, which is Android, encrypted. I've got my uh, Mac here encrypted. I've even got my Ubuntu systems encrypted as well. Yeah, and that's and all part of the installer now. So there, that there, makes there, it very easy. There are issues. There are still issues with it, I think, especially in the corporate environment where you want to make oh. sure that other, you know, you don't, you want others to have have access to essentially your data as well in case you leave the company or whatever. So it becomes a problem. Well, centralized management. Right, centralized management is a problem. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I somewhat kind of came up with a process for that. And with that for us, essentially we set a password. We set a password to something that is known and then the individual who's using the computer changes it. And then, we, and then with TrueCrypt you can back up the, uh, the, uh, the key files, the key files, right? So essentially, you can restore the key files from backup. So in case the person left, we have them on a disk. Yep. So that's yeah. how, and that's how we did it. TrueCrypt is another good example of of a third party tool that allows you to encrypt hard drives, so at least on Windows, uh, doing the full boot or full disk encryption. Same it's not quite, a, not quite available on computers, not encrypted, but we also have a policy here that we don't put stuff on our computers that we shouldn't have on them, our laptops that we shouldn't have on them. So, yep, so um, other stuff, uh, you know, strong passwords, we, we've talked about that many times. Uh, we're fans of, of LastPass and OnePassword, and probably, there's lots of other tools out there. Uh, Two-factor authentication, uh, obviously Google accounts, you can get that set up, and that's a, a good tool to turn on. Um, also, Twitter has it, Dropbox, especially Dropbox, a good one to use. Um, we even use it, you know, some corporate environments have two-factor systems as well, so always opt for that if you get the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of the, the remaining ones were like, oh, don't click on attachments. Yes. Well, there's a good reason for that. We <laughs> talked about ransomware going around last time, and uh, that's some nasty stuff. Even even the phishing emails that they're using, uh, pretty convincing. So just don't, just avoid the attachments, and at least keep your antivirus software up to date. Even though a lot of the stuff we were talking about got through that. <laughs> so it seems, they seem to be creating unique variants. Yeah, there are quite a few variants, so and not always caught right away. 
yeah, there's there's lots of good information in here and lots of links off to various web pages that will tell you more and also uh, uh, software that you can use as well. And number 10, be an ally, means help other people. Absolutely. And we hope so that we're part of the help your family, somebody help your family, whatever it is, or whoever to help help them help spread the word to implement as many of these tips as they're willing to uh, to implement. Some of them aren't the easiest to implement. It requires kind of changing your behavior, especially like using a a password management tool and stuff like that. Even though I recommend it to anybody. Um, sometimes it's difficult to implement something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it takes it, it takes time to learn how to use all the tools. Right. right. HTTPS everywhere. Um, you know, it's what like a pre-compiled list. There are exceptions. Um, for example, um, you know, Google has HTTPS. I think they may have changed it since then. But it used to be, you know, if you go to Google, it give you the little stuff at the top you can get to. But if you went to HTTPS, it didn't give you that. And that started to annoy me. So I wanted to turn it off for Google so I can get the quick links because I wanted the quick links. Now that may have changed. That's, that, that's, that's changed. That's changed. But uh, that's just an example of sometimes you can you can make exceptions to that list as well. Right. You know. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, you know, just learning how to use the tools. Right. And this is. Uh, a good good place to go, a good article to share. Um, though if you're the IT support for your family, which you guys probably are, know I'm mean, you'll probably be getting phone calls on some of these. <laughs> Where does it do to encrypt my hard drive? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's best to do that for them so they don't, so it's transparent to them. Right. And, and use Preston's technique of having a backup key. Yeah. Because they might forget it. That's not a bad idea to do with your family, too. Right. You might forget their password. And, right. So, okay. All right, the next article is I'm going to talk about, and this is something, I guess, that came out of DEF CON, which did happen a while ago, but I just, this article was posted a few days ago, and I thought it was interesting. Apparently, there was a uh, social engineering capture the flag contest that was held during DEF CON, and uh, in, the, in this, uh, in this uh, capture the flag contest, they actually Use social engineering against ten uh, since against several companies. I don't know if it's ten, ten companies, but uh, they're like Apple, Boeing, Chevron, Exxon, General Dynamics, General Electric, General Motors, Home Depot, Johnson and Johnson, Walt Disney were the companies that were flagged for targeting. So um, I mean, they they were basically just trying to learn some information about the companies via, via calling them up on the phone. Um, before, the, before the contest, I guess they had two weeks together, Intel, off the internet or through various means. And um, I think all, all the companies, they were able to gather a significant amount of information that could have helped them in future attacks um, uh, against the companies. Um, one interesting thing that I think they discovered was uh, a lot of companies are still using IE7. Yeah. So, which I would think that would be a. Well, they just got off IE6 not too long ago, so yeah, IE7 yeah. is next. So I think I think that is I think that's a pretty significant piece of information that you could use to launch any 
a malware attack or, or something like that against the company. But, but they also mentioned that they discovered like the food service company that an organization used. And, and they were saying, how hard would it be to have a t-shirt, a cap, or a clipboard that had that company's logo on it and uh, carry some food in you know, with that company as a delivery? And things like that, because you don't—they say you don't need a corporate badge to be invisible. You just need to blend in with uh, look the part. Yeah, look the part. Think if you if you are dressed up as a as a food service person, then people will probably hold the door open for you to let you bring the food in. You know, oh, I'll use my badge. Got to open the door for you. Whatever. You've got the food. <laughs> I'm hungry. So um, now they didn't they didn't release any of the details on exactly what they discovered. They, these are these are I think examples without any company being attached to them. But they did say that uh, according to the scoring, Apple was fared the worst out of all of them, and uh, General Motors, Home Depot, Johnson Johnson, and Chevron were were the next worst. So. Um, but I think it's interesting because I believe all of these companies have some sort of security awareness training in place, and and this is this is uh, just highlighted that security awareness training is not worth its weight, um, and and uh, because it doesn't prevent these attacks. Um, of course, it it was also pointed out that some companies don't do it regularly. Some companies rely on it when new employees come in, and then they don't. Mention it at all ever again. It's like in the new employee handbook. You know, be aware of this. And that's that's it. That's that's the extent of their security awareness training. So um, I'm not sure if if security awareness training is not worth its weight or if it's just not carried out properly. I mean, that's that's the question. Well, I would, I would argue that it's just not carried out properly. Um, and I would know that we have the adequate resources to carry it out properly. So I mean, really, you probably need to be meeting, doing some kind of training, two to four times a year, and, and really getting people together, sitting down with them, and having someone walk through some examples, describe it to them. And these big corporations, they do it online. And we just talked about it in the previous article. Don't click an attachment. But many of these corporations turn around and like, but but it's okay to to click on attachments I send you. You know, even if it comes from a random address or a corporate email. You know, random at corporate name. It's okay because that's your your expense report coming back, or that's you know uh, that, that's your vacation statement that you requested. So those are okay to click on. But this other thing is disguised as something coming from a corporation. Don't click on that because that's clearly someone disguising it. Um, and, and to me, that's where that I think there's value in security awareness training. But if you're only doing it once a year and you're saying click through these five things online, oh, you're good to go. I don't. I think that's a model that's set up to fail. Yeah, certainly. I, I think you're right. You need to get them in a room. You need to talk through some examples and show, you know, and, and demonstrate where this doesn't work. And also talk not just about emails you get, but phone calls you get. And there are times where people call you on the phone and try to get information out of you. And I think this is a good example of people trying to do that. And we need to know how to vet that person on the other end of the phone before we start giving them information. And sometimes that's hard to do. Um, I know of one company that uh, 
anytime an employee got a phone call and it was for something they weren't quite sure it was a legitimate phone call or not, they would they were told, I need to transfer you to someone who can help you and they would pick up the the, the and dial basically the security department and forward the call to the security department who would then ask those tough questions and figure out if it was a legitimate call or not. And so they had specially trained their staff to say, you know, I'm not quite sure this is this is it, because you know, corporate corporate theft or you know, secrets and theft of corporate secrets were a very big concern for them. So they always, if there was any doubt, they were to say, I need to forward you over to somebody else who can help you, and then forward it to a, a group of specially trained people in the security department who would then figure out if it was a legit one or not, and then forward it along as they needed to. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, with the way things have gone in recent years, there's just so there's such a wealth of information available. I mean, people can figure out where you're working. You know, if you're posting stuff to Twitter, if you're putting things on LinkedIn, if you're putting things on Facebook publicly, there's a lot of information that can be gathered by someone before they pick up the phone. You know, I'm thinking of a commercial, it's just really funny, you know, that the lady's like, it's like a State Farm commercial, she's uh, going to Hawaii, she's like, I'm off to Hawaii, and the burglar goes, have a nice trip, you know? <laughs> now I'm thinking of that, in this case, you know, um, when they can gather all that information, it just makes that phone call that much harder to defend because it's like, oh, I'm off, I'm going off, you know, you tweet, I'm going off to a conference in Vegas, I'm going off to the security yeah, conference. Yeah. Well, they called me like, hey, I, I was supposed to, I was supposed to talk, I was supposed to meet with Preston, I know he's out, I, I just bumped into Preston in Vegas, he said, um, he needs this information, can you, I, I'll relate to him, he's, he's getting ready to go up on the stage, so um, can you do me a favor here, you know, I'm one of his colleagues, uh, you know, we sure. work together on this project. Uh, well, uh, let, let me get someone, you know, uh, sure, let, what's going to hurt to give you his cell phone number? Or, you know. Right, the more you have, the more you can get. Is it's right. like a crowd that you can I mean, and that, that's, that's kind of the, the, the point of, of the whole thing. And yeah. people uh, people want to be helpful. I mean, it's kind of in you know, a lot of people's nature is just to be helpful. And uh, and, and also some of the information that, that I mean, you give out, you think, well, what harm could it do to let to right. give out our food service company right. that we use in our our, company, our organization? I mean, what harm can that do? Right. I mean, so there, there, it's, there's a lot of, it's hard to educate people, and it's hard for, even if you do educate them, you know, they still, like, what harm could it do to get that sort of information out? So, yeah. and I think that explains, they talked about how they had just an unbelievable amount of information. You know, in my opinion, it should just grow every year because they're just, people are just getting more and more connected with technologies. You know, what's the next new technology that's going to let you share information in, a, in, a, in another way? And that just becomes another vector. And to me, that's why security awareness training has to happen more often because Things change. Yeah, I, I remember when we <laughs> talked about that. It was it was a while back. It was that Super Bowl video. Yeah, the yeah. guys just were carrying a box. Carrying a box. Security people just opened the door for yeah. them and let them in. Let them in yeah. to the building because they, they look like they yeah. They look like they belong. They look like they belong. So, yeah. It's just it's, it's people want to help other people out. And yeah. Uh, and in uh, security, sometimes you have to be jerks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And the appearance of jerks to kind of 
Well, like, I'm not open to the more right? It, it, it changes the You have to change the culture. So. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen that within organizations I've been a part of where, you know, you don't make exceptions. And, and I go back to the click on attachment because when you allow an exception, then it's like, well, when is it okay? When is it not okay? The same thing with a, a, a badge door. It's like, you don't open that door for anybody. You don't open it for your colleague coming in behind you. They have their card, they'll open it on their own. You know, um, you, you close the door. You know, you get into this stance of you always close the door behind you. And you're known as a jerk. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe your whole organization's known as a jerk, but if you collectively change that mindset within your organization, you see, you're not a jerk if you close the door on everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I suppose that's true. You're, you're lucky if everyone closes the door, but if, if you're the only guy that closes the door, which is probably the security guy, you're the jerk. <laughs> Yes. So you're probably going to end up to be the jerk, so <laughs> but you just have to accept that, that not that you're going to be a jerk, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I think we've talked about that enough, so thank you to Mike Hill and Keith Watson. I'm Preston Wiley. Have a safe and secure day.